Today, we're going to look in Matthew's gospel in chapter 18. And we're going to focus on several verses today. Actually, we'll focus on verses 21 through 35. But for our reading, we're going to look at 21 and 22. And while you're turning there in Matthew 18, 21 through 22, we just want to think today about the seriousness of forgiveness. The seriousness of forgiveness. Chuck Swindoll reports that a seminary student in Chicago, he faced a forgiveness test. Although he preferred to work in some kind of ministry, the only job he was able to find was driving a bus along Chicago's south side. I don't know if you've read or heard or listened to any reports about Chicago's South Side, but it's not an appealing place to go look for a job. And this man, he, this young seminary student, all he could find was a job where he could drive a bus, a city bus on Chicago's South Side. One day, a gang of tough teens got on board the bus and they refused to pay the fare. After a few days of this, the seminary student, he spotted a police officer on a corner and he stopped the bus. He reported them and the officer made them pay. But then he got off. And as soon as they rounded the corner, the gang robbed and beat this seminary student severely he pressed charges and the gang was rounded up they were found guilty but as soon as the jail sentence was given the young christian saw their spiritual need and he felt pity for them so he asked the judge if he could serve their sentences for them the gang members and the judge were dumbfounded And the seminary student said, it's because I forgive you. His request was denied, but he visited the young men in jail and led several of them to faith in Christ. I can imagine what went through your minds as I said that he was robbed and beaten severely. I can imagine because those same thoughts you have have went through my mind. Forgiveness is not something that's easy to do. As a matter of fact, it's challenging for all of us. And just reading this story, I can't help but think about Jesus and how he taught on forgiveness. And we see this here in verses 21 through 22 in Matthew's gospel in chapter 18. The Bible says, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times. But up to 70 times 7. 
up to 70 times 7. This is God's holy word. Pray with us. God, as we come before you today, we come understanding that we have so much to be thankful for. And God, we thank you this day for your love and your grace and your mercy. But God, we don't want to forget to thank you for your forgiveness. It's because you have forgiven us of our sins that we can know that we can have a right to the tree of life. It's because of you forgiving us of our sins that we can have a relationship with you. It's because you have forgiven us of our sins that we can be free, that we can be saved, sealed, and on our way to spend eternity with you. So God, right now today, help us, help us to be thankful for your forgiveness. Help us, God, to see what your forgiveness really means for our lives. Help us, God, to forgive one another as you have forgiven us. And God, we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Jesus had been teaching, when we look in this passage, he had been teaching his disciples on the art of dealing with a brother who had sinned against them. As a matter of fact, Jesus' instructions are, are very clear. If we would look at verses 15 through 20, we see exactly the instructions that Jesus gives us. First, we are to go to the person who has sinned against us. And we are to seek, uh, we are to offer uh, or seek their forgiveness or, or we are to offer forgiveness to them. Uh, however, um, for their sin and, and if they will not hear us if they will not acknowledge that they've sinned against us if they will not seek our forgiveness for the sin that they've committed then we are to take two or three people with us as witnesses and we go and confront that person again now we you I use the word confront and often when we think of that word it's it, it's used in an aggressive tone but but that's not what I mean by this we are to approach this brother or sister and let them know that that they have sinned against us share what they have done and, and if they still refuse to acknowledge that they've sinned then the bible tells us that step three is in place where we go to the church and we share with the church what has taken place and if they still refuse to accept a responsibility for their sin then the bible tells us that the church is to treat them as a tax collector the bible Bible says that we are to treat them as a heathen. The Bible tells us that we are to treat, when it says treat them as a heathen, it's treating them as someone who is lost, treating them as someone who does not have a relationship with God. And you know how we treat people who are lost? We treat them with love. We treat them with grace. We treat them with mercy. We treat them in a way to where we can see them at some point reconcile their lives back to God. Here we have a misconception that, that if someone has sinned against us, that we just hold it to their account. And that's not what God would have us to do. He's not, he would not have us to carry that 
and hold on to that burden. Instead, he wants us to help the person who sinned against us to be reconciled back to him. And it seems to me that Peter understood what Jesus was saying. It appears that he was very clear that we should be quick to forgive and take all measures to reconcile those who've sinned against us. So much that Peter asked Jesus the question, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother who sinned against me? And he he goes, he, he gives an answer to the question, but he phrases his answer in another question as to say, is this enough? When he says seven times. At this point, we would think that Peter is feeling pretty good about himself. When he asks seven times, Peter is indicating that he's willing to go far and beyond what Jewish tradition was in that day. The Jewish tradition was that you would forgive your brother or sister three times of an offense. But here, Peter, Peter goes as far as to say seven. So he's doubling that and adding one for good measure. Peter here seems to probably feel that this is a sufficient answer. But Jesus wasn't impressed. In fact, he shares that we are to forgive seven, that seven times is not enough, but we are to forgive 70 times seven. Now, I don't know what that means to you. I don't know what it says to you, but what it says to me is that it's obvious that the number of times that we forgive a person is not what's important to Jesus. What's important is that we have a forgiving spirit. As professing Christians, forgiving others should be natural and it should be habitual. When we are un- when we have an unforgiving spirit as to hold others uh, to an account over their heads, it, it reveals that our heart is truly in danger of serious consequences. Jesus knew this to be true. So he gives us an illustration throughout the rest of this chapter to share with us the reality of a spirit of forgiveness. In verses 23 through 27, we see that Jesus opens up his teaching, um, this teaching moment with a focus on forgiveness. Forgiveness is the act of setting someone free from an obligation that is a result of wrongs done. So Jesus here likens the kingdom of heaven to uh, to a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with servants. And I want to remind us there's coming a day when accounts will be settled. I'm so thankful of the old uh, gospel song that the old account was settled long ago because I'm going to stand before him and I'm going to give an account of my deeds. But I'm so glad that sometime long ago I settled my account with Jesus and my account has been washed clean from me. He has forgiven me of my sin. As a matter of fact, his forgiveness of our sin is the where he makes us different. He makes us clean. He makes us forgivable. He makes us as if we've never sinned. Boy, only God can do that to us. And we ought to be thankful for it. Here, this man... He brought, he was, a man was brought to the king whose account had showed that he owed 10,000 talents. Now, in the economy of that day, one talent totaled about $10 million. Even in a privileged position, it would take more than 20 years to earn just enough for one talent. 
This man owed 10,000 talents. He could have worked every day for the rest of his life and paid the king everything that he accumulated and he still would owe a debt that he could not pay. There, this, here this man was standing before the king bankrupt. He was standing before the king without anything to justify where he was at. But the debt didn't just enslave him. It enslaved his family also. His debt was his family's debt. And what the man owed belonged to the king. And the king had all rights to command the man, his wife, and their children. And all that they had to be sold as payment for the man's debt. And with his family on the line, uh, with his life on the line he fell down on his knees and cried out for mercy but what I want us to notice is this man is very similar to you and I today what we notice is this man's heart was truly exposed because he didn't cry out for mercy until he was brought face to face before the king this man was careless in his account until he was called to settle up aren't we like that from time to time aren't we a little careless in the way that we walk in the way that we talk, in the way that we do things in this life until we're caught, until the Holy Spirit starts to speak to our hearts and convict us of our sin and we're confronted with the presence of God to tell us that we have wronged for what we've done. Yes, this man is very similar to you and I today. He was careless. But unlike us, well, like many of us, there were probably some that thought that this man didn't deserve mercy. There were probably some who thought that this man didn't deserve compassion. Here we see the reality of a spirit of forgiveness. We see the reality of the king's heart. The king was gracious. The king was merciful toward the man in his debt. He wiped his debt clean. Did you hear what I shared earlier? One talent was worth about $10 million in that day. And he owed the king 10,000 talents. And the king wiped it clean. I want to tell you that there's some remarkable about that when the king says you know what no longer do you owe me anything no longer am I going to hold this to your account and to go along with that just just for good measure I'll never bring it back to your remembrance I'll never bring it back up to you the man was able to go home and love his family and be free of the debt that he couldn't pay Not because of his goodness, not because he deserved it, but simply because the king displayed a spirit of forgiveness. Uh, Does this sound familiar to us? Isn't it just like God who, who is not willing that any should perish? God saw us all bankrupt in sin. He saw us with a debt that we couldn't pay. And though we were careless in in how we lived, though we wanted nothing to do with him, he sent his only begotten son to the world to become the sufficient lamb of God. He sent his son into the world so that we would be forgiven of sin. Yes, Jesus suffered. He bled. He gave his life on an old rugged cross so that we could be forgiven of our sin. He arose on the third day to give us 
us victory over death, hell, and the grave so we can be free from the penalty of our sin and we can live experiencing the goodness of God. Aren't you glad that we can sing about the goodness of God? We can only do that when we've experienced the goodness of God and we can acknowledge that God's been good to me. You know what? I come to acknowledge that the day that I got saved, when he could have left me right where I was at, he could have walked away. He had all rights to leave me alone and never call my name again. But he did so much more for me than what I could do for him. He stood me up, placed my feet on a solid rock, put a calling on my life, and give me something that I couldn't give myself. Give me something that the world couldn't give me and the world can't take away. He's given me his presence. He's given me his anointing. He's given me his, his home and glory. He's given me so much. Look at you. Look around. He's given me a family that I never even knew. He's given me more than I could thank him for. So I want to ask us today, when we think about what we have to be thankful for, the forgiveness of God, I want to ask us, do we have, do we have a forgiving spirit? Is it a reality in our lives? We are all flawed people. I'm well aware of that. And from time to time, people will discourage us and disappoint us. Some will drag our names through the mud. But do we hold that to their account or do we display a spirit of forgiveness? Some will take advantage of us. Some will use us and even abuse us. But do we hold that to their account or do we display a spirit of forgiveness? When we, some will set out to harm us. Some will set out to rob us. Some may even set out to kill us. Do we hold that to their account or do we display a spirit of forgiveness? I want to tell you, the world can't do nothing to me, but the world can't hurt me. The world can't harm me. If I, if the world can't kills me all they're doing is putting me in the presence of a forgiving God after being falsely accused illegally tried beaten spat upon having a crown of thorns pressed upon his head Pushed up Galgotha's hill, nailed to an old rugged cross, suspended between heaven and earth. Between two thieves, Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. None of you have been through that. None of you walked around your entire adult life. Knowing that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but you have nowhere to lay your head. But that wasn't the testimony of our Savior. The one who was equal with God, but made of himself no reputation. He came in the form of a bondservant. He gave his life for you and I. No, we can't imagine that. Because when we get the glory, we won't come back. We won't want to come back. But he came for you and I. He displayed a spirit of forgiveness. What are we doing? What are we doing? Is there a reality of a spirit of forgiveness in our lives? That's a question we all must ask ourselves. 
I can't point that out. You can't point it out. But we know. (laughs) And better than that, God knows. Maybe. 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 We can be honest with ourselves. And my prayer is that that's all we find in a place like this. Is that we're filled with people who have a spirit of forgiveness. Because the reality is, there is a spirit of unforgiveness. Even for those who've been forgiven. The Bible teaches us that Satan comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Anything that God produces in a person's heart. And when someone refuses to forgive another, Satan is stealing their heart. As Jesus continued with the parable, he shares just how this man who had been forgiven of a debt that he could not pay had such a spirit of unforgiveness. In verses 28 through 31, we begin to see where the man went out looking for a man who owed him 10 denarii. Now, when we think of this 10 denarii, yes, he owed this to this man, but it fails in comparison to 10,000 talents. Because a denarii totaled about one day's wage. So basically, this man who had been forgiven a debt he could not pay is now seeking someone who owes him a little less than four months wages four months wages so this man attacked the man who who owed him anger and malice filled the man as he exercised his authority over the one who owed him after being shown grace and mercy from the king he rejected any cry of mercy and refused to show any kind of forgiveness Because this fellow servant could not pay his debt in full, he was thrown in prison. Surely we would have to wonder why. Why would someone who's been forgiven of so much not be willing to forgive others of less? Well, the reality is that Satan had already stolen his heart. He didn't have a love for people. He didn't have compassion on those who had fallen on hard times. Instead, he demanded his money. This man became focused and driven to attain money. And 1 Timothy 6 and 10 tells us, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Can you believe that? Think about where we live. Think about the time in which we live in. Many many have forsaken their faith over greed of money. Perhaps this man's greed was due to his experience before the king. Perhaps in his mind he was trying to make sure that he was able to take care of his family and take care of himself from now on. 
perhaps. Besides, the money he was demanding, it was owed to him. He was well within his legal rights. But what his actions demonstrated was that his heart was truly hard. He had no soft heart. He was a just man, not a compassionate man. He was a legalistic man, not a loving man. And the reality is that man's behavior, his, this man's behavior it grieved others. In verse 31, we see that the Bible says when the fellow, his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved. They were grieved by the mistreatment and the abuse the man was placing on another. The reality is when we are truly God's servants, we should be grieved when we see people mistreated, when we see people abused, when we see people trampled on. Some of you have lived with that throughout your life. Some of you have seen it up and close and personal. Some of you have been through it. But when when it comes to looking at other people, my question is, are you as compassionate about them as you are about yourself? we don't go through suffering in this life without it being for a purpose and that purpose of the suffering we experience in this life is so that God can get glory when we sit down beside someone else that we see that's suffering, wrap our arms around them and tell them, I'll cry with you when you want to cry. I'll laugh with you when you want to laugh. I'll be there for you when you need someone to hold your head. We go through things so we can help others get through the same situations that we've been through. And we can share with them that Jesus is the only way we got through. Charles Stanley in his book, The Gift of Forgiveness, he expounds on unforgiveness. He he expounds on how unforgiveness devastates the one who refuses to forgive. When we choose to not forgive in one relationship, we discover that it spills over into other relationships and it destroys them. He went on to say that when the unforgiving person stands around and waits for the other to make restitution that he loses out on life because he never made any progress in their game. That sad fact is that that they are standing around waiting while they're standing around waiting they form fleshly patterns of behavior and incorrect thought processes stanley also states regardless of how wrong the other person may have been refusing to forgive means reaping the corruption in life and that corruption begins with one relationship including the relationship with god and works its way into all other relationships so can we be honest and ask ourselves is the spirit of unforgiveness a reality in our lives satan would love nothing more than to steal our hearts all he looks for is a little opening if he can infiltrate the smallest of openings we will find ourselves becoming focused or even obsessed with protecting what's ours Instead of trusting God to make, uh, to take care of us, we begin to trust in our own resources. And when we do this, we will find ourselves doing all we can to protect those resources we're trusting in. Boy, it would be wonderful if we worked as hard to protect our testimony of Jesus Christ. 
you know what we'll do? We'll, we'll do all we can to protect our resources to the point that our welfare is placed above the welfare of others. To the point to where we can't even see affliction, suffering, or pain that others are experiencing. The reality is if we allow Satan to steal our heart, he will destroy us. So folks, knowing this, there are serious results to unforgiveness. Now, if we look there in verses 32 through 35, we begin to see some of those serious results. You know, Hebrews 9 and 27 says, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment, every man, woman, boy, and girl has an appointment with death and a day of judgment. We will be judged based on whether we receive God's forgiveness And God's forgiveness has been made available to the whole world. God's forgiveness is in his son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Romans 10 and 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In Romans 10 and 13, he says, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when we call upon the name of the Lord, we're calling on Jesus For forgiveness of our sin. But there's also a judgment based on man's wickedness and sin. Simply put, wickedness and sin, it is to come short of God's glory. John 2, 3 and 4 says, Now, by this we know that we know him. By this we know that we know him. This is in 1 John 2, 3 through 4. If we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. The Bible teaches us that all the commandments hang on to. Love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, and mind. And to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We don't have trouble with loving God. We often have trouble with loving our neighbor. Folks, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind will change you. According to 1 John. If you will desire, if, if we love the Lord God with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul... We will desire to reflect Jesus Christ in our lives. And in case we didn't know, Jesus is compassionate. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's loving. And he's forgiving. And if we fail to reflect this, then we fail to display. And we fail to display compassion, mercy, and forgiveness. According to scripture, we will face some serious results. We will stand in danger of being condemned by the king of kings and the Lord of lords. In this text, this man was a servant to the king. 
He was shown compassion, grace, and mercy. However, he did not reflect his king. And because he did not, he was not willing to show some compassion, showed the same grace and mercy to others as he was shown, the king passed judgment upon the man. The man's debt had been wiped clean. He was released. <laughs> but when he failed to love him and love what he had done for him, when he failed to be thankful for the forgiveness that was shown, then judgment came upon the man. I wonder, do we really believe this, the seriousness of unforgiveness? When we fail to forgive others, we stand in danger of judgment and condemnation. Wait a minute, preacher. Wait a minute. I know what's on your minds. I've been saved. I can't be lost. Well, if you've been saved, you're forgiving and willing to forgive and show compassion to others. If you're not willing to forgive, if you're not willing to show compassion, you're not loving your neighbor as you love yourself. You're disobeying God's word. You're not reflecting Jesus Christ. Then you're no part of his. According to scripture. So. <laughs> it is serious. It's a serious thing. To have an un forgiven spirit because there are serious results to that the result is being eternally separated from a merciful loving and a gracious God and just as God has forgiven you of your sin against him I would challenge us all to be reminded to be reminded to forgive others of their sin against us. Now I know you got quiet. <laughs> These, this, last ver this last section of this message was a lot different than the first. But know that it hit me. It slapped me. I've worked on this for three days. And still with just three hours sleep. I couldn't get away from it because God's had to deal with me just as he's got to deal with you. This is a week of thanksgiving and we should be thankful every day, every hour, every minute, every second of our lives. Let's not neglect being thankful of his forgiveness. And if we are thankful of his forgiveness, then we won't have a spirit of unforgiveness. We'll forgive others. And we won't have to experience the seriousness of those results if we don't. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
I don't know where we all are at today. I believe there's people in here who love God with everything within them. I believe there's people in here that loves people and will give whatever they can to help. I believe that. I believe that is in this body of believers. And I'm not preaching this to beat us up today. I'm preaching this to remind us that if we don't love God and we don't love one another, you know, that is serious. And it will have serious results. So if there's something that you need to deal with, I would encourage you, deal with God right now with it. If you need God's help to forgive others, then you have that conversation right now with God. And as you're having that conversation, put the person in your heart and mind and ask God to give you the strength and the courage to forgive them. It will free you. It will release you from all that Satan is trying to do. He's trying to steal your heart. And if he steals your heart, you'll lose joy. You'll lose peace. You'll lose comfort. But God wants to release us. He wants to set us free. He wants us to be filled with joy and peace and comfort. This is a personal thing. This is something that you have to settle between God and whoever that person is. But maybe, just maybe, there's someone here. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, maybe there's someone here who hasn't experienced the forgiveness of Jesus. Maybe there's someone here who's never given their life over to God and and experienced the joy and the peace that he brings into our lives when we've been forgiven. He's done everything that needs to be done. He sent his son, born of a virgin. His son lived a sinless life and he died a sinner's death. He gave everything up for you and I. And then he conquered death, hell, and the grave. He's done everything needed to be done for you to experience God's forgiveness. And all you must do is believe in who Jesus is and what he has done. Confess your sins to him and trust that he'll save you. That he'll forgive you of all your sins. And confess him as your Lord and Savior.